Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast, where we listen into a group of rural firefighters as they give their opinions on the challenges they face both on and off the fireground. We release a new episode every week, so please hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating and share this with your fire family and friends. Now on to this week's episode, where as always, we ask the question, are you DTFF? Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast. <laughs> My name is Carl and tonight I am virtually joined by three members of my firefighting family. I have Todd. Hello. I have Ash. Hey there. And I have Scott. I have no pants on. <laughs> <laughs> Scott has no pants. I do. Um <laughs> This is not a no pants party uh, video chat call, although um, maybe Scott was on one just before be. he came on. <laughs> but uh, Todd, you got uh, to start us off. You got some news. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm trying to find it now. <laughs> that was that was smooth. Uh, hang on. Pause. Pause. <laughs> there is no pools. We're going. <laughs> I can't find her name. Anyways, uh, yeah. So watching the news the other night, um, there was a, a new fire chief for the city of Vancouver. Um, the female chief. She comes from Nanaimo. Uh, she's Karen Fry. What? Karen Fry is her name. There you go. Oh, there you go. See, Scott's on the Google. I'm like Jamie. There you go, from Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah, so it was a uh, it was it was awesome watching the uh, the news um, cast on it. Actually, uh, talked about her career in the fire services history and how challenging it is for a lot of female firefighters to work their way up in the ranks, especially in full time career departments. Um, and talked about her moving up into the chief ranks, chief officer roles, and then in chief in Nanaimo, and now. Um, taking on the new chief role in Vancouver. So that's pretty awesome. Nice. Yeah. yeah just, I think it, it shows, you know, we, we have a lot more female firefighters in our department now. And, um, you know, it's, it, it was always the stigma of the old boys club back in the day. Right. And, and it was hard to change. I mean, I remember many arguments with some of the old boys about, you know, when we'd have a female applicant and they were just so bitter and closed minded about it. Uh, and it just re- really reinforces that uh, absolutely that they can they can rock the job just like anybody else. Yeah, absolutely. How many how many do you have now on your department? How many ladies? Uh, we're currently sitting at uh, four. Nice. Oh yeah. Oh, no, hang on. Sorry. Then we got recruits as well. Oh. So we've got uh, a new recruit class currently as well with a couple. Nice. There you go. That's good. That's quality. Uh, yeah, congratulations. Um, maybe uh, <laughs> maybe we can remember your name, Karen Fry, right? That's correct. That's correct. It. So uh, tonight we're going to be touching a little bit on uh, different search methods and tactics. Um, so we are going to start with Scott on this. And Scott, uh, you kind of you had some ideas for this subject. Where did you want to start? I was just uh, the other day uh, before practice. The uh, the chief was talking to me about um, you know he's been uh, 
I don't know. I don't know if he's been on Facebook or on different sites. I mean, I, he's been on lots of different sites, I should say, um, but doing lots of research on different tactics and training, which is really cool because uh, from what I understand, some chiefs and from in the past, some chiefs just really don't care. They're just like, yeah, whatever, do what you do. Um, but Bob's pretty well invested in us. So uh, he's been doing some research um, and he actually brought up to me uh, about the different search methods. Um, one being, um, Start <laughs> <Stop> doing. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, kind of the one we were talking about was um, the fact that a lot of uh, departments don't even take a hose line in when they do a search. And I kind of pointed out. I, I said I, I think that's probably more the full time departments, more the um, truck companies, the guys that are all they do is train, uh, rescue, and search. Um, probably for a volunteer department. Um, what we do or what, you know, a lot of departments do is probably more related to, to how a volunteer department would do it. Uh, just in the fact that we can't train as much as the full-time guys can, even though from talking to some of the full-time people, we train more than they do, but <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. we're not, we're not going to talk about that again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, so kind of our, our, our bread and butter now that's, it's, it's been for the last several years. Um, in the past, we used to take, we used to take the, you know, we used to do the standard, um, you know, right, left hand search, take the hose in, um, do a full room search with that hose. You know, you're dragging it over furniture, you're getting it hooked on chairs. Um, if it's a bigger room that has a limited furniture, then the hose starts sliding in the middle, and then it bumps into stuff and it starts knocking things over, and it's just a gong show to drag, a, you know couple hundred pound hose around this room with you and, and obviously the deeper you get in the more the the more the um, backup person has to help you and long before we ever did bump ups and you know sending more guys in to to, to take care of pinch points and stuff it was always you know the search was by the time you get halfway through the building you're exhausted um so in the past few years we've changed our search methods to um kind of our main one of our main ones is obviously vis um, we find that to be very effective. Uh, I was I was actually just watching the practice on Thursday because I'd been away for the last few weeks doing some other training, and I was I just kind of I kind of stayed on the periphery of last Thursday's practice and I was just watching the guys train, and uh, I was very impressed with our guys how fast they are because uh, we were doing VIS um, second story and and first story of VIS with a fire attack attached, and it was almost like a race with those guys. They were uh, you know. Um, they call over the radio. Yeah, uh, second story search team or search team two um, patient found, and then shortly there behind or shortly just before the lower level search team would would um, would find the patient as well. So within you know, I would say under a minute, maybe two minutes, the guys are were already extricating um, patients out of uh, two patients out of a out of a building, which is really impressive if you think about how uh the left and you know the kind of the standard search that's still in the fire manuals you go through the front door you make your progress you slowly go through um you can imagine how long that would take so that's kind of our um kind of the one that we really like and then there's kind of there's this other one that's sort of a mod i almost call it like it's like an interior vis um it's commonly referred to as the orientated search which todd actually just found in the uh, what, what manual is that todd you're looking at Oh, that is the um, firefighting skills and hazardous materials uh, fundamentals book. 
Very nice. Um, so, you know, Todd has that and he, um, we were just, we we're just talking about it and uh, it's, I like, it's nice to see that's in there, the orientated search. So basically how we pre do that. And, and I think it's kind of how the books book says it. Um, you, uh, you take your hose line. So imagine a hallway, a long hallway, you take your hose line down the hallway, but rather than entering each room, what happens is the officer, um, the more the way we do it, we have a nozzle, the nozzle uh, operator stays in the nozzle. <clears throat> the officer pokes his head into the room that we're going to search with the thermal camera, does a quick cursory search, um, checks the floor, checks the ceiling, um, does a quick search, obviously, to see if he can see any um, patients with the thermal camera. And then the, the search fire, searching firefighter goes in. And usually if it's a small bedroom, uh, we just send one firefighter in. They do a quick search. Um, doesn't really matter if they go left or right, but they're going to do a quick search around the room. Um, we we used to send, we were sending them in with a thermal camera, but we realized it's really hard to do an actual good hand search while you're still trying to hold a thermal camera. And you don't want to rely on that thermal camera technology necessarily to um, to find the patient because, you know, they could be covered up with a lot of blankets. They, they could be uh, under the bed. They could be, you know, there's all sorts of reasons why the thermal camera might fail you. So um, we prefer just the hand, like, you know, the, the, the captain check takes a look inside, tries to see um, what he can see. And then the firefighter, the search firefighter, it's almost like a, they're like the backup. So they, they actually search the whole room super quick and then they pop back out. And the good thing we found about this is we can do multiple rooms. So if you have a, if you have, you know, two or three people on your search team, one guy stays on the nozzle covering the hallway in case the fire uh, comes out the hallway. Um, then if you have two other searchers and the captain, well, one can search one bedroom, one can search another bedroom and the captain and the, um, nozzle operator can stay outside, <clears throat> um, as a safety. So it's almost like a reverse VIS because what happens when you first go in, since you don't have a hose line or a rope with you, you can actually just go in, close the door behind you and search and kind of relative safety. And obviously there's kind of like a time check and we're, no, it's not like a specific, like, Hey, you're gone for more than 30 seconds, but you know, the officer can. If, if you're gone for more than, you know, a minute, because, you know, a small bedroom shouldn't take much more than a minute to search. If you're gone for longer than a minute or so, the officer should be poking his head back in and seeing what's up. Because maybe you found a, maybe you found a patient and, and they haven't heard you calling for help or for calling for uh, backup. Um, maybe the fire breach, maybe you fell to the floor, um, but the officer checks on you. So I don't know, I, I find it pretty safe and it's, and it's super fast. Uh, anyway, I don't know, Ash, uh, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think just to add on to that, um, you know, you kind of touched on if there's a, a nozzle operator, an officer, and maybe a searcher or two, you can either break it down and have each searcher do um, two rooms at the same same time. Uh, if you're doing like we've we've got a couple apartment buildings in town that we're like we are going to one day get a call there, and it's just going to be a long hallway of room after room after room. If you have a searcher that's doing room after room after room, they are going to get burnt out immediately. So rather than, you know, sending one in right. on the left-hand side, one in on the right, send one in and keep the backup guy as a backup guy. So if something goes wrong, they can jump, jump in as a secondary, um, you know, rest as a secondary rescuer, if there is a patient or they just get a moment of rest and then that uh, search team flips and the person that was just the backup person can then uh, jump in. So again, you're not making it faster, but you're, you're keeping your team 
um, a lot more fresh, which I, I think also adds uh, a pretty good level of importance. Because if, if you've got a hallway with five, eight, ten rooms, um, I mean, that's that's going to be pretty, pretty daunting for one or two searchers back to back to back. But can also be very, very, very effective as long as you you can keep your team fresh. Yeah, and I think I think the important thing too on uh, on this search method is it's you know like that team leader or officer on the nozzle like like in <clears throat> when they they instruct it in the book you know it, it's a method that can be used without a hose line. Um, however. You know, generally we're always practicing that lines going in anyways. We don't have uh, the manpower, like you said, to break into all these other companies and have these tasks. So it works, it works really well. And, you know, that, that officer team leader, you know, that sole responsibility is, is monitoring um, that very task specific orientation from that team and also the fire conditions, you know, if they're, they need to provide some fire attack or if there's another fire attack team in there, um, so it's, it keeps them very task orientated. And then that crew knows specifically, this is what we are doing. We are here to search this room and on to the next. And then I think even just further, like you were just kind of getting into Ash about multiple rooms, say down in an apartment building or whatnot is, you know, what are we doing to mark these doors and closing the mm -hmm. door? You know, a lot of people use like the, the two method, two system method with a slash uh, with either a chalk or a crayon, or uh, I know some people use tape in the past um, some sort of marking identifier as either a search in progress or search is complete. Right. Um, I, one thing, you know, that the old folks home around here, what's cool, um, and not saying what you do it, but um, they, they use the, they put their pillows outside the rooms when they're, right. when they're empty. So after they leave, they take their pillow and they put it outside the room. And then uh, that way, when we, if we ever have to go in there and search, we know if there's a pillow outside the door, it's a, it's an empty room. So you know, possibly in a pinch, if you're um, you know if you're if you didn't bring chalk in or you didn't bring some sort of marking mechanism in or you know you didn't have tape or something with you, um, you just take you know if it's a bedroom, take a pillow. If it's you know if it's somewhere else, you know put something that's kind of obvious and right in front of the door, and you know just let the next search team in come in and say, hey, I put this in front of the door. Any door that has something in front of it like this, you know, item. Uh, just don't go in. I mean, obviously, it's always better to have uh, marking tape with you. I mean, how much is it, you know, flagging tape in your pocket or something or chalk? Um, but again, that might be hard to find in uh, in heavier smoke environments, too. I know a lot of uh, uh, complexes that I've been into as well, um, they have that little uh, tag system on the door. We've seen those where they'll they'll actually toggle down, like and it'll be in a down position. It's usually like a little thing screwed onto the door. Um, oh, yeah. Almost like a do not disturb sign. Yeah, it, it just it just flips down like for a fire. It, it's it's for their own little system, right? So when their fire officer for their building, you know, does their sweep, they can yeah. push that little tab down and it indicates that that room has been cleared. Um, however, now I've done I've been to alarm calls before where we roll up and none of that's in place. So we're still right, doing yeah. our job and going out there and yeah. and the whole marking. Uh, I mean. I remember I've trained in the past with, with uh, like a, a chalk and, and tape and it is kind of a pain in the ass. It, it's, it's hard. I mean, I don't know. I'd say maybe we need some more practice with that. Um, it's definitely not something I'm, I've done a lot of, but actually marking them. Usually 
our conversations have been done when you're at the, at the tip of the nozzle everything behind us the doors are closed and that's what's searched yeah. anything so if we had to bump out or have somebody else come in and take over for us um, they know from that point forward is now still needs to be searched yeah you still leave your nozzle behind and that's your search point yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so there's, there's lots of options on, on that um i know one way we we trained the hell of this at one day um one a couple of practices we actually went to the local uh, correctional center um, we got access to their, uh, to one of their units. Cause you know, we, we get fires there sometimes uh, prisoner lights, lights are selling fire, but we use it as an opportunity to, to do the orientated search. Cause you're not going to find many places that are going to have, um, that many doors in that short of time. Um, cause essentially there was what, I think we, we searched 40 different rooms just, just by going on two tiers and you know, they're small, obviously they're small, essentially small bedrooms. They're kind of like a bedroom bathroom combined because <laughs> they got the toilet and they got the, they got the, they got the bunk beds and, but it's, you know, obviously they're, they're prisoner free. <laughs> um, but um, you know, I was, the guys were like, well, this place isn't going to burn down. I'm like, no, it's not. And you know, prison mattresses are, you know, they're fire retardant and all that kind of stuff. But um, it is that skill. You can take that skill we did at the prison and put it into a hotel or put it into an apartment building like Ash is talking about, or put it into a, into a single family home with a long hallway. It's all the same skill. It's just different room sizes. Yeah. I mean, even coming back to you, uh, I think just before we hit uh, record, we had one structure fire um, last year where um, <clears throat> we roll up on scene. There was a few of us were, that were semi-familiar with, with the uh, layout of the room, uh, Scott, you were inside with uh, mm -hmm. one of the guys that was familiar with it. And, you know, you guys kind of did that. You pushed into the building with a hose line. Uh, you got to um, like a T in the hallway where there was two bedrooms, a bathroom, and then the master bedroom was on the left or on the right. Um, mm -hmm. And the guy, he, he went in, he would search one room, come back out, go and search the next one, come back out. Um, I mean, like you guys were in and out of there fast. And like Scott would pop back out and relay what was happening to me. He says, hey, we're going to quick, quickly search these rooms. Boom, boom, boom. It was minutes and you guys were done. Uh, you guys cleared the entire upper level within minutes. It was super, super fast. Very, very effective. And we rescued a dog. That's right. Hey, well done. There's no pictures though. I, I walked around with that dog for like 20 minutes trying to get pictures. <laughs> <laughs> stupid stupid newspaper. That yeah, was the media. <laughs> we were wondering why you kept going back in and out with it. <laughs> like, oh, okay, this time, this time, is it ready? Okay, I come out. No, nope, still under. <laughs> uh, one thing I actually I wanted to touch base on as well, just back to what we're talking about for searching and if you leave your nozzle there or marking the doors um is you know that team so say you are on a in a large building and you have multiple rooms to search you know if you find a victim you know and now you're you know removing that that victim out um you know for that secondary for that, that next search team coming in in to continue your search you know the that continuity search is huge like so if we don't want them to waste time searching rooms you've already searched. So that communication is huge. And then I guess, you know, back to the marking of the doors, that is pretty important. But um, like I was just trying to paint the picture in my head is if, if that person did back that nozzle out uh, as we're dragging somebody out, if you had, you know, a good three, four man team in there, 
<clears throat> which may happen uh, now we don't want that other search team going in there to pick up right in the beginning and searching those doors yeah i think you know, you'd almost have to take somebody with you again someone that already went in or something i don't know yeah. right i think before we and when we had talked about this um on a on another time i think this similar thing we had talked about people actually removing the doors as well so if a building or if a room had been searched they were literally going in and just popping the pins on the doors really? yeah i can't remember talking about that? i'm pretty sure we did yeah it sticks in my mind for some reason literally somebody seems, was just that seems like a bad idea yeah yeah and i think we yeah, talked about it try to avoid that for sure and maybe i maybe it wasn't Maybe I brought it up like this in a similar conversation because I had read it in one of the forums, but it always baffled me as to why you would just pop doors as opposed to closing them, especially if the building's on fire, knowing what we know about doors and structural integrity and, and uh, with that kind of passing through. So, was, was it the guy popped the door off and then put it onto a, like, if there was a room without a door? Was that what it was? I thought they used a door to, like, almost like a shield. Which again didn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Why don't you just use your nozzle? You have a nozzle. That's what it's for. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a lot of fucking around. It does. Yeah. (laughs) Let's take 10 minutes to take this door off. We can just put the fire out. (laughs) So, um, Um, yeah, go ahead, Scott. Sorry, I was going to say, I can't remember what I was going to say. It's probably some gold. It's gold. It's gold. (laughs) Probably wasn't at all. (laughs) So, uh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go on. Um, what are your thoughts, uh, you guys, on um, pushing hard uh, rather than s- doing a search as you go, but pushing hard into the fire room, putting that out, and then reverse searching? That's another option that I hear people do. So they push deep, like push hard into the into the fire building, put out the structure, and then reverse search. I think if you've got right if you've got enough people, you could probably be doing both anyway right well no it's still like this would be more like you know your limited manpower um but you know rather than starting at the front door and searching rooms as you go you know the fires near the back maybe you don't have that manpower to, to attack it from the exterior first you push hard through the through the building hit the fire and then uh knock it down because we always say once you're once the fire is out 95 percent of your problems are gone and then you slowly mm-hmm. on your way out you start searching from the most dangerous which is the fire room start searching backwards i I think it makes sense i think a lot of that it it comes back to those those benchmarks you as instant commander want to be achieving on that fire and that's going to be very dependent on the the type of building the occupancy level of the building uh you know time of day uh, all, all these little things that we look at when we are doing our windshield survey and when we approach the scene and are doing our scene assessment, because we know, you know, time of day is going to change the occupancies. Um, and if it's multi-levels versus single floor, uh, where we think that fire room is, um, because it, it might make sense just to do a real hard, fast push to that fire if it's confined to one one area. Uh, and man it could be knocked out in no time and then those two guys could be breaking off into that into that next that that room to search um depending again on on your footprint and your size of your building because we know i mean our, our first thing of course is, is life safety right we want to get in and do that but we also know with life safety if we don't start suppressing that fire that life yeah. uh, viability really drops so. it's going to drop fast absolutely yeah. Like almost, you know, like back to that apartment building or those hotel rooms, you know, you push in hard to that 
to the apartment that's on fire, start knocking it down, and then you search backwards. Uh, I don't know. I think, like you, you know, said, ba- I think it comes down to like if you've got limited manpower, then that is really the only option on the table because I mean you're not going to be able to search multiple rooms with not very many people. So it comes to the problem of, okay, well, what is the issue? The overall issue is we need to get the fire out. And if we know where the room is and we can move to it quick enough, we're not going to be able to do the search. That is the viable option is to go and, and extinguish that room. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I agree. And I, it's, it's hard because I feel like we're talking about two different things still. Like it's very, it's so dependent, as you guys know, on well, one, our manpower. Like, do we only have a couple of guys in this truck? You know, now what's our objectives? <clears throat> and it's back to that information we're getting. Um, yeah, it's a, it, that's going to be a, a call for the instant commander, I believe, to make when that time comes. Um, and then definitely you know, hard and fast to that fire. And then we start searching and then we're doing our subsequent. It, it, it almost comes down to a call. Um, you almost have to train it both ways and it, it almost comes mm-hmm. back down to decentralized command. It almost comes down to the call of the captain or the senior guy inside. Yeah. Cause you know, the incident commander probably doesn't even know what's going on in there. So, you know, uh, you know, yeah. we all obviously the radio communication and stuff, but you know, if you're, uh, if you're the guy put making the push and all of a sudden, Oh shit, we can see fire start, you know, yeah. fire wasn't coming in the hallway a minute ago. Now it's coming through the door of the apartment down this down the hallway pushing in towards us well let's push in and attack it because any minute now we're going to lose a whole hallway so let's push yeah. down the hallway hit it hard try to knock it back into the apartment um and i think that's a call that either the nozzle man well senior guy nozzle man or the um or the um captain has to make i don't know absolutely i think so because i mean look back to far as you've been on as an instant instant commander <clears throat> outside and you're making all these decisions and tasking these teams out to the smoke conditions you're seeing and the fire conditions you're seeing coming out of whether it's a, a window, a door or a soffit, or when they, they open that door for that attack line to go in on, you know, well, where's the smoke level? How fast is it clearing? Right. You know, so yeah. we're trying to make that decision, but now, like you said, Scott, that team leader officer going in, he's going to make that next decision as, Hey, no, this is a, straight hallway i can i can push that fire really hard and fast you know there's not really anything blocking the way let's hammer it as dealt with or okay we're trying to make that push and there's debris in the way it's around a couple of corners who knows Mm -hmm. what the maze inside may be and then that's going to change your tactics right yeah exactly and I think one of the other things we should probably discuss and something that, uh, you know, we don't necessarily, we don't have yet, we've been talking about maybe eventually, but we don't have yet, is when you're dealing with these multiple level buildings, ladder trucks, um, and how kind of viable they can be and how useful they can be in, in certain situations, especially one building in town comes to mind very specifically, right by our fire hall. Um, there are no fire escapes on the outside of the building. Um, so if the internal staircases, which I believe there's two in there on either side, you know, if, if we get something going on one end or both ends, potentially, um, like that building north happened fairly recently, if that same sort of thing happened with us, we'd have some serious issues getting people out if we did not have something like a ladder truck to be able to to reach them. What are your thoughts on ladder trucks here, boys? Yeah, I think with ladder trucks, I mean, 
<clears throat> with those apartments with those two stairwells on either end you know you need to deem one one stairwell a uh, rescue one so keep it clear you're not hauling hose lines up that one right and you're positive you're pressurizing that stairwell for your escape route as your attack team is going into that other route so that, that's super important um when you're talking apartment buildings um you know ladder trucks i think it's yeah hugely beneficial um yeah you look at some of our buildings around here and some of the fires we've had just getting that water at the elevated position even for you know that, that huge fire that's, that's rocking and rolling it's going to help you put it out with a master stream device um and then when you're talking to rescues there's tons of videos out there of some pretty amazing rescues with ladder trucks yeah i mean you know ladder trucks obviously they have their limitations because if you place it if you place it wrong you're kind of stuck mm. you can't just easily move it to another window um if you if you place it incorrectly you might not reach the whole building you might you know you're obviously only going to get one side of the building you're not going to get uh, you know the building we were talking about that we're referring to right now obviously on the front side it's quite easy access because it's right it's actually the road right to the to the hall, fire hall um basically we all, most of us drive past that building to get to the fire hall so we know that's well that's open for a good ladder truck if there was ever a ladder truck but on the back side there isn't a lot of room to work um, there's uh, it's butted right up against another, uh, basically a hotel. Um, so there isn't a whole lot of room to work. So that's going to be, that's going to be like ground ladder work. Yeah. Um, and yeah. The, the other issue, I mean, is the obvious one is the, is all your over, overhead wires and lines, right? You know, mm. uh, our areas, it's not as big of an issue. Like you look at say, you know, the city, the North of us there, that's, that has one. Um, it's mm. not a, a huge area, but. You know, you look at the larger centers, the cities where you've got trolley lines and bus lines and, and there's chaos, right? Like it's pretty limiting to where you can deploy them. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, Ash, what were you saying about, saying something about a was it New, New England style ladder truck? Yeah. So Which actually, was, yeah. we saw... Um, Nick Hilton there from the Brotherhood Academy Radio podcast, he put up and it said New England style or something, something like that. And we yeah. thought it had something to do with clam, clam chowder. But beer uh, and beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah Chad, Chad is beer. But uh, what it turns out is they, uh, it's a dry fire truck. So a uh, ladder truck, um, rear mount maybe with maybe mid mount i don't know how those things work because uh, we're not lucky enough to have them but uh, so they have their uh, uh aerial device mounted somewhere on the truck and then a whole bunch of the truck is uh storage so there's there's no, there's no pump there's no tank uh some of them are plumbed sounds like some of them aren't even you can r just run a hose line up the ladder uh some of them are hard plumbed um, it keeps the weight low. It keeps the maneuverability, I'm guessing, good. Um, but also it's, uh, and cost, I'm sure. Um, but uh, it gives the uh, ladder well, no, truck. No pump. Or would, it have, would it have a pump? No. So the other, the responding engine. So it's just, it's just it. like a standpipe. It's a oh, yeah. million dollar of, standpipe. Yeah, yep. <laughs> with wheels with yeah with a, a fuckload of wheels yeah. actually because <laughs> they're still heavy <laughs> yeah so i mean if even yeah. if you look at the quint so it's 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 gonna have your pump it's gonna have a little bit of water but even 
compared to what our engines have, I mean, it's a half or a third of the water. Their, their, their tanks are small because there's that massive aerial device that has to be mounted to the truck. So you're losing by, by the time you have your struts and your aerial device, it's uh, your, your room for pump and tank are like very, very limited. Uh, and then you still want to have some storage on there. So um, they've gone right away from it. Um, it seems like that's becoming quite a popular option. Um, and would I like to have water? Absolutely. But where would your ladder truck be responding to where another engine wouldn't be either there first or, you know, directly behind. So you're going to be having secured water every time that truck rolls out. So maybe they're onto something. Yeah. So it's mainly it's kind of like what we have right now. Like I mean, a we have, yeah. mover. Mm-hmm. we have a you know we have a small version. We have a, a you know an old or high ab that we can elevate water. I mean, we never yep. used it. We never used it for elevated water. It's it's a good theory. Mm-hmm. Um, two, week, two weeks two weeks ago we trained f- it, yeah. which was yeah, in, I mean, interesting. But yeah, it definitely doesn't have a master stream on it. The most we can probably put it on yeah. is an inch and a half. Yeah, two and a half would probably be pushing our luck. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, even just getting a little bit of water elevated is is important. And you know, even a uh, basket, we can definitely pull somebody out. It's not really designed for more than one person. But in a pinch, you know, life over limb, we're gonna yank somebody out mm-hmm. of a window. But the problem is again the setup. We get, first of all, yeah. we're not gonna that is that is not a first responding unit. That's gonna be literally the last thing we take out. Yeah, probably. Um, you know, maybe in an apartment building might be our might be our fourth thing we take out. But by the time that's happening, I'm going to suggest that most of the rescuing is going to be done. Didn't, wasn't that um, a spawn of the high school fire? Because uh, we started talking about elevated, you know, devices for us on a budget. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a spawn of yeah, it's a spawn of the high school and that hotel f- fire we had years ago. Yeah. yeah, where it was like, a, you know, we have a three-story hotel on fire. We ended up commandeering um, two bucket trucks from um, the local, um, what, what, Fortis. I, I guess we've had Fortis on here a few times. It's a power company. Um, we, mm-hmm. we commandeered two bucket trucks from them, and we basically made our own elevator water. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, the, when the high school burnt down, it was it happened to be in the middle of a renovation. And uh, I know, Todd, you were on, uh, weren't you on one of the... Yeah, I was on one of those uh, lifts as well. Like and, a zoom boom or something, weren't you? Uh, I can't remember. One of those little four-wheel scissor lifts. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was me and Mason, I think. Yeah, and you and you almost <laughs> you almost got roasted, didn't you? Marshmallow on a stick. Is that you guys? Or? No, we were good. No, we were good. Somebody, it, uh, somebody it almost getting, got roasted. It was getting slippery. And I think oh. I remember Andrew Andrew slipped. Um, yeah. But uh, like it, it worked well. That's for sure. It was just a slow... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that kind of stuff. Yeah, that those two things were definitely one of the reasons why we were like, "Hey, let's give this thing a shot," because you know we would we just weren't in the market for a for any type of a ladder truck or anything at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, our our city's starting to build up a bit, and so you know, Todd, yours is definitely has been built up for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, I definitely I know it's I think it's on the horizon. It's just going to have to happen. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a quint, which I think is probably the best option for for departments like ours where it has that multi-purpose yeah it has that multiple purpose um, yeah i don't know mm. it'd be hard to, it'd be hard to, to just buy a truck that doesn't have a pump in it 
No, and I think for us too, the trick is, I mean, I don't know a lot about it, but uh, I know the size of the pump and, and with that ladder capacity, uh, that can change some of our underwriters insurance rates for the town as well. But, right. yep. So when it obviously we're, we're talking here a little bit about obviously the um, apartment fires and uh, we have opted for the Cleveland roll style carries. Um, now, Todd, you were mentioning as well in your last training session when you had those guys come out, they had a slightly different, uh, slightly different role that they preferred to use. Yeah, I was chatting with one of the guys, um, just kind of on their opinion of what they liked using, because he was a member on the high rise committee for their city. Um, so we're just kind of bantering back and forth about it. And so they usually just use all flat loads <clears throat> or, or a Minuteman style as well. Um, but with the flat load and the Minuteman, it's basically the same procedure. Uh, you just shoulder it up and then um, just make a V split, it's called, with the... Um, with the loops in the end of your um, your pack and drag those uh, upstairs or up the floor rather uh, and then you've got your nozzle and coupler and you're ready for the push on your fire floor uh, that you're going in um, and they they quite enjoy it they like it um, I know uh, I asked them I said well we've, we've been practicing with the Clevelands um, but they they quite enjoy using that other style rather for just for the way it deploys so I think for us, we, we chatted, we're just going to try both options and see which ones we like. Um, you know, we're not always practicing that style of fire attack anyways. Um, I don't even think we've ever really had any major events. So knock on wood. You know, I, uh, and I think one discussion at Cleveland role, it's because it has a multi-purpose. It, you know, it, it really is a wildland role and it, it's kind of being adopted to fit into the hallways and stuff because of the ability for it to to open in uh, confined space i think um mm -hmm. and, I, and i know i think that's why we we like them because um just because of the versatility and you guys get a lot of um use out of them because you guys have kind of multiple cleveland roles on the trucks and with you know that vast wildland area that you're responding to within an interface area uh you're deploying them quite rapidly they're working yeah well for you, right yeah they seem to be um you know it's definitely in wild like we have wildland uh, host set up as cleveland's we also have um structural host set up as cleveland cleveland's and we've you know we definitely put the structural hose on to the truck first and then and the wildland gets attached later so yeah yeah it, i think it's worked pretty well we haven't any real major um, structure fires where we needed to really extend the line too much in the past few years um like extending it into it like making make another push or, or adding another 100 feet you know but there has definitely been times and i i think it's easier to carry in the cleveland rolls definitely easier than carrying donut roll yeah oh yeah for awful. sure yeah. With the snagger tool. there you go so i think uh <clears throat> i think one of the other things that we didn't touch on as well here um is while we're doing and performing these searches now some of these locations we're probably going to have maybe a master key if it's like a an, uh, an old people's home maybe there's a master key for us to get through every door maybe we have that maybe we don't um, but there's going to be a lot of work that has to go in when it comes to forcible entry if you're then trying to clear a floor 
to make sure that you can get into all of these places. So how how do you think then, uh, guys, would we look at approaching that with obviously the teams? We would probably uh, look at it similarly as to how we would enter from external um, and how we treat every door. But when it comes to limited manpower, what kind of situation are we in there? I think that's tough. I think, you know, I'm sure this could cause a big debate because <clears throat> there's always a controversy of a lot of people like bringing their tools in with them while they're doing the full search and using tools as a search method. Um, whereas others would rather just leave it at the door. Um, and then you go through your search method, then you know if you need those tools, they're only, you know, a few feet behind you um, at back at that door. Um, I think for, you know, the average family home, I wouldn't see a problem leaving the tools at the door. I personally don't like searching with tools. I don't want to be swinging with the tool to extend my reach or anything like that. Because um, if you hit something with it, you still need to go and investigate what it is. So I'd rather do like an orientated search method like Scott was talking about. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just, yeah, then, then you get into the conversation of large apartment buildings, you know, are you going to be trying to force a door when you're doing a search? Are you not? Is that taking up too much time? Um, you know, you, you could be spending all that time now trying to breach a door into an apartment building that nobody's in there. Um, and you just will need to do 20 other rooms. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those hot topics, I think. Yeah, I find uh, taking the tools in, we've, we've kind of, uh, most of us kind of leave it at the door with that third, with a door control person. Yeah. Um, because it's, like we always say, it's rare, once you get through the front door, it's rare in a, in a residential setting anyways, to find another door that is A, locked, or B, needs to really need tools to force. Like mm -hmm. even like, you know, an average bedroom lock, even if it's locked, you know, a, a little bit of a kick is going to pop that door because you know it's not it's not a great door. Um, so, you know, a little bit of a foot kick, you know, or like lay on your back kind of thing, give it a give it a kick with your feet. Um, not the not the best method, but it's going to get you through where you need to go. And like Todd said, it's easier to try to take tools in and dragging them around. You know, I know you're supposed to use them just down the floor, but you know, stomping with your foot if you're doing the slide the um, the clamp method of movement you're going to get a, get lots of power with your foot to check that check that floor. So well, that's the trick. As you're, you know, when you start talking about advancing nozzles and, and making your push into the fire, you're sounding that floor with your foot anyways as a nozzleman, right? Like you, like sure, you yeah. mentioned. Um, you know, so I think the whole theory of, you know, teaching in fire school that, yeah, your tool is sounding the floor for everything. Well, it's, just, it's not the case. Um, there's certain options for that tool to use, you know, maybe, uh, you know, getting off of a ladder onto a balcony, you know, things like that. Um, you know, sitting on a windowsill, I can still sound with my foot or maybe then reach in with a tool, um, but not every time. I think for our bread and butter fires, like the, the residential ones, yeah, tools at the doorway is absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, how many locked doors do you have in your house? I have none. It's, I have <laughs> my front door, right? So you, you just think you got to take the common sense into it. Yeah, I think that be that like basically nails it. If it's a residential, we're all pretty 
on on board with uh, Jules can stay at the door. I I definitely think it changes if you're going into uh, some of these larger uh, apartment buildings, um, some of these elderly care facility type uh, places where every single uh, room has a lock on it. So for uh, privacy, and again, it's it's still nothing like their their interior doors, which are now locked to the hallway. They're not going to be like your outside door. So force entry on these doors isn't going to be anything insane, but uh, like like Scott's saying, a, a simple, a, you know, a foot kick if you had if you if you had an axe or a halligan. I mean, it would force very very easily. And I think on that kind of a search. Um, we, we definitely might be a bit more in, inclined to bring those tools in with us or at least bring a tool in with us. Um, but for uh, residential, I just, I see them being more of a hindrance than, than help. Yeah. And if you need them, you're, you're, you'll have that bump up person that can follow that uh, hose line in with the uh, tools anyway. So um, there, there's always going to be somebody uh on a residential fire i mean we always talk about trying to do things like like you're like you're venturing in there todd on the uh manpower limited kind of calls but um if you have that bump up person ready to go they they can then you know follow that hose line with with those tools as well and that's the thing right like we we obviously and we're not saying that that's 100 the way that we do it all the time what we're saying is when it comes to these situations like like you're saying there ash in most residential homes normally it's just the front door or back door entry doors basically that are locked and when we're in everything else is fair game it's normally open it's and it's you know you're kind of free roaming um it's very rare that you get an internally locked door um I, I can only think of one time that we have had one, and that was when there was a grow up in the basement. Right. <laughs> so that was that was the only time that we then would have needed to again breach and, and head in. But uh, yeah, it's very rare. Again, though, when it comes to that apartment side, if it's apartment fire and we're on that floor and we know that we need to gain entry to make sure we we clear up those things, then yeah, tools are going to be one of those things that we have to bring with us. And we have to deal with it as we go, but a lot of work and you need to make sure as well when you're, when you're thinking about that, you've now got potentially a, a five to 10 minute door that you need to now break. Um, what does that do to your manpower? What does that do to your guys? Now you've got to send them in and search too. How's the visibility? Like there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going on. Um, and it can really change how you need to maybe approach what you're doing. Um, and that's where that, I think, mutual aid calls on something like that obviously would have to come in real early. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Scott has uh, gone to put some pants on. So in the meantime, boys, is there anything else that you can think of search-wise that you want to touch on? Anything to do with the ladder trucks? Anything else along those lines for apartment fires? Anything you want to you want to bring up? I am just trying to find the password for Scott to log back in here. <laughs> got the room, but apparently... Did his battery die? I think so. I All bet right. you he hit the power button on the side of his phone accidentally. <laughs> but, um, yeah, if, uh, if that's all we have while Scott's rejoining, how about Ash, we roll into uh, shout-outs? For sure. Okay. 
Where shall we start? Let's start with uh, let's start with Motus. Man, dusting off the Motus. Usually, that's the Scott thing lately, uh, which then turns to me anyway. So, <laughs> exactly. uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, Motus. Uh, We'll start off with their snagger tool. That's kind of their claim to fame. Uh, awesome for hose handling, um, you know, tightening, loosening uh, hose couplers, uh, breaking glass, breaking uh, jib rock. Um, you know, there's uh, a multitude of uses that this thing can do. I mean, the biggest thing though is for sure is, um, I mean, you can you you can use it for hose handling like crazy. Uh, we had. Um, all of us through our annual uh, research and we were showing again uh, the easy use with uh, the two and a half it's awesome easy easy uh, one man um, they also have their door wedges they've got their uh, now shove knife they've got their uh, hydrant wrench which everybody loved again and kind of turned into a bit of a race again these guys could see how smooth it was fast um, you know when when you know you know the minutes count you know the on seconds anything that you can save is great and that uh, these are the kind of tools that are making our our jobs easier and faster so uh check them out they're on our youtube our facebook uh they've got a ton of stuff on their website if you like what you see the products that they have there uh if you enter dtff5 it's gonna get you five percent off the next order there you go if we got Scott back, hey, hey, there he is. Scott's back in the game. Technology, yay! <laughs> <laughs> You'll be happy to know, Scott, that you already missed your uh, your shout out, so you don't need to cover Motus. Oh, sweet, already on there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll run over I have to. More things to say. <laughs> Do you? Do you? Are we actually on shoutouts? Yeah. <laughs> Have you got more things How to say? What was it gone for? Like at least 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, <what is> <laughs> Todd, I stop the I did have one other right. thing to say. Go, go, shoot. <laughs> for a discussion. Um, one thing that came up last week when we were doing VIS. Um, normally, when you. We, how far? Sorry, how far into the shoutouts are we? <laughs> Just one. Okay. Not far enough. We can definitely. There's an interesting discussion that came up because we were doing VIS and normally what we do is we, before we search the room, sorry, before we isolate the room, we look down the hallway, hook our foot, reach as far as we can down the hallway, do a sweep. We always tell our guys, if you see anybody farther down the hallway, you will hold, not go down there. So um, even if they're just out of your reach. One of the guys had an interesting point. He said, well, could you not have your backup firefighter jump in to the room with you and watch as you went down the hallway a little farther and held the room for you? Because obviously we always, have a, we always have a nozzle person outside the window. And I think, you know, that we kind of came back with, well, it's all dependent, again, back to, it's all dependent on the fire. Like what's it doing? Um, you know, is that technically how you're supposed to do it? No, but everything's fluid in there. Could it work? Yes. Um, I don't know. I thought it was an interesting, interesting discussion we had. Um, we actually, we actually ended up doing it later that night. Um, we had, we had a, we had the dummy going down a stairwell, 
uh, the guys did it on a stairwell and then the discussion came well how much more dangerous is a stairwell compared to uh, just a flat open hallway right mm -hmm. I think it's it's definitely something to be discussed and whatnot because our primary goal is life safety right life rescue so you know you've cleared that room you know it might be totally clear now and you've you know as you're you're hooking and you're doing that kind of life layout look um around the door because we all know victims are usually found around the door uh, and if you see somebody just out of out of reach slightly down the hall as long as you can communicate back and you're within your your team um you know maybe is that a bump option say hey yeah. got somebody bump up boom next person bails mm -hmm. in they know right because you've already got that visual um you know when you start thinking about the theory behind an orientated search that's essentially the same thing it's just in a different capacity again um, it's the right. same but backwards right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but it's so also way... important not to talk about you know don't start getting too crazy and just running down the halls and doing this and mm -hmm. separating your partner you still need that that visual voice contact um you know that we that we train on but again, it comes back to the communication of your team. So if you've got your team there and you're doing your VEIS, now say, hey, I've got a victim that's 10 feet away. Well, guess what? I will feel like shit the rest of my life. I know I turned around and left and then couldn't go back in. Versus, okay. you know, I can crawl that 10 feet, grab an ankle or a hand, drag them out, and then made that save. Hmm. I think, again, it comes back to that manpower side of things, too. How many people do you have? Who's there? The bump-up technique, obviously, that we talk about fairly frequently. Um, if we can get somebody up into that situation fairly quickly and be able to get eyes, again, if it's a few feet, we can go. The biggest thing, the reason that we hook our foot and we do that is normally because the smoke is so thick that we have very low visibility. So being able to see anyone in that 10 feet distance is, is probably going to be a bit of an issue anyway. If it's cool enough where we can get in there and we can see, then maybe the fire is in a completely separate room on the other side of the building or another room that's that's already been cordoned off and the smoke hasn't got up there yet. We, we'd probably be okay making that push down the hallway solo and being able to grab that person. Obviously, again, depending, like Scott said, what's going on with the fire? Where is the fire? Is it right underneath you? not probably the best thing to be doing in those situations, right? But again, depending on the fire, depending on the manpower, visibility, and the distance, you've, you've got to make the grab, right? Scott? Yeah, I think, you know, the two the two kind of things we discussed were, A, doing what you just said, make the push, or like basically go down, make a quick grab, bring them back, or B, because we always have a hose line, for VIS, we always have a hose line parked outside the building waiting uh, in case a fire turns on us. Um, we, we also train the option of using that room that we've now isolated as like a seat, as our, as our anchor point. So that's where now that's, we're treating that like a front door, whether it's a second story window, we treat that like it's a front door. So we can now come through that window and make a push down the hallway, maybe on the second floor. It's going to take a little bit longer, but now you have the safety of the, of the hose line. Um, so I don't know, there's those two options. But, you know, we were using an example of uh, a fire we had uh, a couple years ago. It was a couple years ago? Oh, how many years ago was that, Ash? You were on that. It was two or three, yeah. Where the fire was definitely in the basement, like far down in the basement. This is a, almost a, like, it's almost like a three-story house, I think, wasn't it? 
Well, two stories uh, plus a basement, plus a full basement. Yeah, two and a full. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and from what I understood was that the fire was basically in the basement, pretty well confined to one little area. Yeah, it's um, like the en- it, the entryway to the basement, which fed up to the to the landing of the like the walkout entrance. Right. So, so it was definitely set in the basement. Yeah. So super, you know, lots of hot gases on the on the second floor, um, smoke. The uh, the search team actually went in through the front door and went up the stairs. They didn't do a VIS, but the mm-hmm. example was, well, if they did a VIS and there was somebody on the stairs, would that be a would that have been a good option? And you know, the discussion was, well, the fire was down essentially as far as away as it could possibly be in the building. So again, they knew where it was. Probably a good option to do it that way. I mean, they didn't. They they didn't actually find any. There was nobody in the building. But if that was, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I think uh, you know after having that practice, after talking through uh, with with the crew, I really got to thinking. And like we always talk about layering training and layering our techniques. So we've been hammering VIS. We've we've been like the bread and butter um, of the vent enter isolate search. So now it's almost the natural progression of like what comes next. What what on this technique can you add on to it and not so much i mean this is it's a it's in the name this is how it happens but um you know i come back to okay well now we've got that that room now how can we push in further do you need the hose line like all of these bigger departments the way they have their truck companies and such they're doing the entire search without a hose line so what's stopping us from using that as an, as our our safe anchor point if you have that uh, bump up person maybe with a thermal camera again so get that camera on the inside of the building i mean you've you've just opened up so now you can see if there's you know heat coming through the floor you you can see what it's like down the hallway or down whatever it might might be no i wouldn't want to go freelancing throughout the the entire in, inside of the building but if you have somebody at that doorway as the door control and you're sending your manpower in, yeah, I, I would feel a lot better about, you know, practicing that as an option. Um, not something that you want to, you know, pull off every time, but as an option, something to build on. It's every single scene, every single fire is different. So knowing that it's, it's not a hard and fast rule that as soon as that door is closed, if it's more than two or th- two or three feet in, you you kind of have to reset i mean that's great when you're learning the skill set i kind of feel like like you're saying we're we were banging these things off in minutes like it was fast the guys were doing so so good um that we threw this extra little curveball and even that went smooth so i just think it's another evolution of the practice and the training that we're doing and now we have options yeah i think it's important like you said too like You know the reason why you're doing that vent enter isolate search is because you had information of maybe somebody being in that location of that building um, sure. so you're trying to do a viable save again it comes back down to the assessment of of the scene of well where might that fire be uh, versus to where we're entering in um so uh, yeah it's just you know, if I'm entering in to do that type of a search in that room, it's probably a good reason and fairly safe judgment call to say, hey, I can push out that door and grab somebody if, if I need to versus, uh-huh. 
you know, like, because I'm not going to be going in there if the fire is rocking underneath and, and like, it's, it's not going to be viable. Like, For sure. You just, you know how the fire behavior works and flow paths work and it's, <clears throat> it's not going to be an option. So I don't see why any of those other techniques we just discussed wouldn't work. But it's good the crew have already been asking those questions or thinking about it, right? Absolutely. Because yeah, it wasn't us throwing the curveball at them. It was actually them, uh, one of our senior guys, uh, bringing it up. He's like, hey, what if this happened? We're like, what do you guys think? And they're like, well, I think we can do it. Like, okay. So then literally the next yep. cycle, we that guy was on the ladder. So Ash quickly found me because I was being the tech for the burn building. He's like, hey, uh, what, go in there and uh, move the dummy down a few flights of stairs. Or sorry, a few, uh, down to the next landing. So out of the reach of the guys, so they had to go down, and and they did it quick. But then that, again, that came up with the discussion. Well, we knew the fire was in the basement or in the lower area, and we went downstairs. You know, how safe is that? I mean, obviously these are steel stairs, so pretty safe. But <laughs> but right. in reality, they're meant to be wooden stairs, kind of thing, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, it just comes back to using your uh, using your knowledge and your skill. And it's it comes down down to that that stress inoculation of, you know, understanding what it feels like to be in a normal fire versus what it feels like to be, holy shit, it just got way hotter in here. Something's changing to reading the smoke to like to all of it. And it comes down to that experience in the burn buildings, experience in real structure fires. Um, Cause you're not going to have, well, I hope you're not going to have a, uh, you know, a fairly new firefighter making, those judgments without that knowledge base behind them like it's so important Absolutely. to know that that heat you know all of a sudden when the back of your ears start burning well okay why did it just get so much hotter so quickly in here am i yeah. close to the fire did something just a wall collapse a floor collapse did it open up what like there's so many variables yeah well yeah even that one vis i actually did in real time like in that, in that actual real structure fire um when i opened the when i opened the door to check the hole um as soon as i opened the door the you know the, the black uh heavy heat was coming through that door on, on top of me so i freaking closed the door right away i didn't even get a chance to poke my head in the hallway so i, cl- I slammed the door and then uh finished my search pop back out and then we were going to go through the other window and when we broke when we took the other window out just the you know it was totally unviable like it was basically about to uh, it was about to flash over on us so we decided not to go in, of course. Um, so yeah, even even that, like sometimes you just open the door and you're like, I'm not even. I'm I was like, I'm not even going to check because it was just the the smoke that was pouring in was was so heavy and thick. Mm-hmm. So I just made the call right there. I'm like, I'm not even going to attempt to go into this hallway and check. Yeah, and so yeah, I guess it comes down to experience. Yeah, absolutely. And ultimately, we do. I mean, yes, we are obviously all there to try and help the people that are in these situations but if we go back to it we need to make sure that we are safe first and if we can't like if we can't see if we can't do that we can't make the call to be able to do that then the reality is we need to make sure that we are okay as well because if we put ourselves in jeopardy then that means we're not saving anyone because all the attention of the rest of the crew at that point is going to go to the person that is now in danger and that's us so they they know where we are as opposed to a patient that is somewhere in the building, it's all hands on deck to try and save the person who's now just risked their self in a situation to try and then save somebody that they, they didn't fully know was there, right? So it's a tough one. It's a, it's a tough one. But like Ash said, 
different situations, manpower, where the fire is, what's the fire doing, all factors. And then obviously officers need to stop, look around and make a call. Yep. So let's uh, let's get down back to the wrap-up then, boys. So uh, we have the Motis, so Todd, stop the bleed. Uh, Stopthebleed.org. Uh, go online, check out, see if there's anything in your area. But as the world's closing down again, maybe not. Um, not yeah, bitter at all, eh? No, no bitter there. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, you can go online, uh, check out our content on the Stop the Bleed uh, course. Uh, if you're an instructor or wanting to become an instructor, how to spice up some of your uh, scenarios and uh, carry tourniquet, learn how to wound pack, um, positive pressure or direct pressure rather. <laughs> take a straw and blow back in <laughs> yeah check out our stuff online on youtube and facebook as well scott i just want to add um we did a stop the bleed last week again for work and um me and the other instructor we, we were out at night and getting some food for the next day and um we're talking about how to make the blood uh because what we do we spray uh we spray the officers with um with basically water because uh, we don't want to stay in their clothes and stuff uh, as that you know kind of feedback like we did in the video but what we actually did we went and we stopped at the grocery store and bought some uh, baby shampoo and uh, our plan we, we squirted it into the um, into the spray bottle and what it did is actually made the water um, kind of sticky slash like snotty like kind of kind of kind of like blood so it, it just made it harder because we, we obviously sprayed their injury and then we sprayed their tourniquet while they're trying to apply it. So it's getting their hands kind of that stickiness um, and kind of, yeah, kind of greasy like blood. It, it, so that was an interesting thing. We, we went with baby shampoo. So in case it got in their face or something, it's not going to burn their, burn their eyes. Uh, but then I was actually talking to one of our uh, local guys who makes hand sanitizer and he has some uh, some glycerin, some food grade glycerin, or something that he can get that he's going to give me. So I'm going to test that out because that's that's what kind of makes that that snotty thing um, with with gel with um, hand gel. So um, always, yeah, I'm just always trying to find new ways to make those um, those sims feel more realistic. Yeah, absolutely, as realistic as possible is is the way to go, and that's why with our video content if you check it out it's uh that's the trick is make those high fidelity sims make them fun and i like how you guys are now when you're spraying you're actually spraying the uh the person down so they get that uh, that physical um touch reaction as well right so like ah, i'm getting wetter there's something spraying me right so it was actually funny because i was uh i was uh one of the bad guys last week and uh, i was on the ground uh after i got quote unquote shot laying there and i could hear the water flash blood running off the officer and uh he's holding cover on me and he's like i'm fine i'm fine and the instructor's like are you sure yeah i'm fine and i could hear it like i could hear the water running off him and then he's like oh i'm hit because <laughs> it takes you you know because he, he was in a pretty high adrenaline state because we were doing yeah. uh, simulation rounds and you know and and he realized you know it took him a while to realize that he was actually quote-unquote hit and uh just that you know that liquid running down his leg he, he, it took him a while just to realize he was getting wet so nice it's interesting yeah 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 the uh as, as todd mentioned you can head over to our youtube page and check out all of the sims that uh, todd and scott had ran through and put together as well as the full detailed uh, step-by-step for instructors on how they 
um, actually deliver the content to people as well during the actual course. Uh, Ash, Ignition. Yeah, Ignition USA. Um, we uh, had the um, the privilege, I guess, of uh, meeting up with uh, with Jason while we were down in Seattle before everything went crazy. Um, it was uh, it was really neat to see how how well uh, the CRAT tool can be used for soft entry, path, uh, passive entry. Um, for all of those calls where you want to be able to leave the premises uh, uh, secure. So if it was a medical call, if it was a uh, industrial style building, things like that uh, works out really, really well. Um, we got some video up on our Facebook and YouTube again. Uh, if you head over to ignitionusa.us, I believe is the website. You can check that out. Uh, a lot of info on on there, on his Facebook, on his Instagram. Um, yeah, really, really cool, cool tool. Uh, DTFF 2020 uh, will get you 20% off of your purchase there. Yeah. Uh, Todd, do you have, you've got one of the snaggers. Uh, yeah, you got one of the uh, the ignition tools right now, right? You got the c right now? How you getting yeah, on with so it? Do you play with it yet? Yeah, right, right now. Uh, we're playing with it a little bit the other week there um, while we're doing some of our uh, forceful entry stuff as well. Uh, so I started playing around with it at the hall um, for the passive entry. Um, and I plan this week as well. I, I left it in my locker for the other officers and other guys to start kind of using it and trying it out in the hall. Um, so, yeah, we're just, just getting into it now. Um, but I look forward to it. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It feels so great when that door pops that first time uh, using it. So it's pretty cool. Nice. Uh, Scott Tanner. Yeah, Tanner Olsen Band is a country music band out of, uh, I think they're technically Chilliwack, which is close to Vancouver. So we'll just say Vancouver. Um, they were starting to do some live shows, but as we are alluding to, and as most of the world is getting back into a lockdown for the second wave, um, I think they're throttling back again. Um, hopefully, first quarter of the new year, maybe they'll start doing some live shows again. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Fingers crossed. Uh, any of their events coming up, we will make sure that we post a link on our page for everyone to be able to see them and uh, view them like we have done so far, I think, Scott, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, sorry, uh, you can check them out on Spotify or YouTube. Perfect. And then you have us. So uh, we release an episode every week. We um, we try to create content that uh, is is obviously useful as well as kind of informative. We talk about the things that we like to talk about, things that we do, things that work for us. And then we come up with ideas based off the back of sometimes these conversations and other things. And then we test and try them out. And then we like to talk about it afterwards and kind of inform you guys on, on how we've done and what worked and what didn't. Um, we really appreciate all of the support that everybody has given us since we started this. The, um, the Fire family has grown. We are across all of our platforms now almost at around eight, 9,000 people um, that follow and, and listen. So we greatly appreciate everybody. 
and thank you so much. If you do have some time, please drop us a like, comment, uh, and a rating on any of the apps that you use to listen to us on. And if you do also have a minute, please head over to our YouTube page, like and subscribe. You can watch all of our video content over there as well. Um, and as always, if you have something that you would like us to discuss, uh, please let us know. Ask us. We're always looking to have other conversations. And if there's something you want to hear about, let's talk about it. Uh, and if you'd like to come on for a chat as well, again, Scott has his caveat of... Can't be weird. Can't be weird. <laughs> but uh, outside of that, if you would like to come on and have a chat, we'd be happy to have you on too. So, uh, Actually, next week, I believe it's next week, we have a guest on. We have Hirsch. Uh, Hirsch Wilson, he's the guy who sent us the book um, to read, the, uh, the, the Firefighter Zen um, which I will be, I finished up today and enjoyed. So I'm going to give it to one of the boys and then see if uh, they can burn through it in a day. And yeah, we'll, we'll keep it rolling through the rest of the guys. So not out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll, uh, maybe Scott can read it and record himself reading it and then Ash can listen to the audio. How about that? <laughs> Perfect. I that. Yeah. Hook me up with the audio book. There you go. um yeah any more for any more gents i think that's it okay i think i'm pretty good good then uh we will leave it there so todd thank you good night scott great ash thanks guys thanks everyone stay safe stay tff